Okay. Good morning. Please be seated. I have lived for many years in, of my life in very windy places, and I don't like wind. My family has experienced the strong, dry winds of the prairie in South Dakota, the tornado winds of Oklahoma, and finally wound up in what was later described to me as one of the windiest places in California. Figures. Wind has always been problematic for me. I remember a tornado that blew through eastern Oklahoma one summer when I was on an archaeological dig. We ran for the cinder block bathroom and listened to the tornado roar down the Arkansas River Valley. Just me, a bunch of college kids, and some black scorpions huddled down and listening to what sounded like the end of the world. My dear friend and South Dakota teaching colleague, Sister Carmelita, used to insist that wind made me owly. I can tell there's a wind coming, she'd say. You're downright owly today. The people I knew in South Dakota, the natives who practice the religion of the sacred pipe, have great respect for wind. They believe that the winds that come from different directions during the year bring certain things to the people. Like the Indian religion, our tradition is filled with stories of wind. From the powerful stories of create, storms of creation to the wind God sent to dry up Noah's flood. A holy wind parts the Red Sea so that Moses can lead the Hebrews safely across and then the same winds blow back down on the pursuing Egyptians, thus saving the people once again. Jeremiah tells of the mighty destructive wind that will lay the Babylonians low, and Ezekiel tells of a vision, a mysterious creature with great holiness and power who comes on a great stormy wind. Jesus rebukes and calms the winds, and he will gather his people from all the winds of the earth. Yes, all through our tradition blow the sometimes gentle, sometimes frightening, and always powerful winds of God. Sometimes they are destructive, but they always bring something. They always toss things around, shake things up, and leave those standing with a clear direction which we are to follow. The word for wind in Greek is pneuma, or as the Greeks would say, pneuma. That's it, Arthur, did I do it right? <laughs> that one word is used for three of ours, wind, breath, and spirit. All three meanings apply to our Pentecost story today. Once again, a wind brings the breath and fire, the spirit of God, into his people, into the human family, into us. And imperfect, as imperfect and humble as we are, we are still the recipients with the first disciples of the saving breath of our Savior. Once again, this wind, this time lit with sacred fire, blows through the people, pushing them into a new path with a very clear message of what is expected of them. It should be easy to empathize with the apostles today. There they are, lost and afraid. Their beloved leader is gone, they have witnessed the tremendous and terrifying power of the Roman Empire and their own religious establishment. 
They know that what they have seen happen to Jesus can very well happen to them. Whenever I picture the days and weeks after Jesus' death, my images always include a rather poor and rough boarding house. It's made of some kind of mud and is very dusty. The rooms are cheap. It is in these rooms that, the, that I picture Jesus' followers. They have decided to stick together in a part of town where they can disappear into the narrow alleys and crowded streets. They can gather secretly to muster the courage to go on. The scriptures tell us that they stayed together and prayed together. I certainly don't fault them for their fear. Who of Jesus' followers wouldn't be afraid of those who had destroyed him? Who wouldn't be frightened to go outside? Who wouldn't be too afraid to move, either forward or backwards? Yet we know, lucky us, the next chapter in the story, that Jesus has not been destroyed. He is merely waiting for them to do what they have been called to do. He is waiting for the wind and the fire. Jesus has told them that he will never really leave them. Indeed, he has appeared to them in various guises and times to explain the scriptures or remove all doubt about his resurrection. He has said in John's gospel, feed my sheep. Mark records that he has told them to go into the world and proclaim the good news to all of creation. And from Matthew, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And remember, I am with you always until the end of time. They might even be heeding Jesus' words in Luke's gospel where he has said, I am sending upon you what my father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with fire and power from on high. And so they arrive at the Feast of Pentecost. Some call this day the birthday of the Christian church, but to the apostles and disciples, it was one of many Jewish feasts celebrated during the year. This was Shavuot, which takes place 50 days after Passover. Originally a harvest celebration, Pentecost had come to commemorate the giving of the Torah to Moses on Mount Sinai. How apt that seems to me now. Humanity meets the all-powerful Spirit of God, first on a mountain, now in an upper room. I picture them surrounded by the power of the Spirit. I always think of wind, or at least the sound of wind. I picture their surprise and the trembling that must have take, shaken them as tongues of fire appeared above their heads. The fire, a symbol of power, of light, of direction. I think of the water of baptism which they have been called upon to proclaim. Water and fire and wind. The basic elements as well as signs and wonders. Just like in the mountains when Moses saw the bush burning and felt the wind of Jehovah's voice. They become empowered by the Spirit to move. She, and I have always known that the Holy Spirit is a she, because who else but the female is the one who usually says, get out of bed, get dressed, and get going. Who else but the mother usually says, you are the greatest, you can do anything, you are the best, as we take our first steps out of the house onto the school bus. Anyway, she gives them the power to speak to everyone who needs to hear the good news. 
She girds them with the courage to come out from under the figurative beds of the upper room and go outside. They open the door to the street and I see in my imagination a multitude of people. People of all colors and kinds. People who are needy for, hungry for nurturing and knowledge, bread and wine, community and caring, a path to heaven with a room in his father's house, a message of hope and faith and love. There is a multitude waiting for them on this Pentecost day and the Holy Spirit has given them the power to change the world, to bring that multitude into the circle of Jesus' love and Jesus' church. The apostles and disciples step out of that room and in spite of their fears and their terrors of what is to come, they jump into the multitude and start to speak in whatever language they need to speak. What a great image. Even if it did not happen quite that same way, the symbolism of that crowd pushing and shoving to get closer, able to understand the prophet Joel's words spoken by Peter over the noise of the crowd in whatever language they know. In the days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon the flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young shall see visions and your old shall dream dreams. Even my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I submit to you this day that we are in the same place as the apostles were those many, many years ago as a church and a community, and I don't just mean St. Paul's, although we are part of the larger group. As a church, we are hiding sometimes under our beds. We, will, we are still sometimes afraid to go outside the walls that keep us safe and confront the multitudes that are still people of all colors and kinds. People who are still needy for, hungry for, nurturing and knowledge, bread and wine, community and caring, a path to heaven with a room in the Father's house, a message of faith and hope and love. There is still a multitude waiting for us on this Pentecost day, and the Holy Spirit has given us the power to change the world, to bring that multitude into the circle of Jesus' love and Jesus' church. I heard a speaker once say, when God's horizon meets human commitment, there is heaven. I wrote those words down and thought a lot about them. When God's horizon meets human commitment, there is heaven. That's powerful, isn't it? It's also frightening because it calls upon us to do something, something that will cause us to move toward that horizon. Because if we don't move toward it, it remains out there, somewhere, visible but untouched we must not be afraid to reach for that horizon. If we are to believe Christ's words, these days have arrived. We should be dreaming dreams, and our young should be having visions. Visions and dreams of what our church should be in this world, our world. The Holy Spirit, our advocate, is among us, just as she was among those in that dirty and dusty upper room. As a community, we have often yet to fully confront the history and pain that divides the children of God. We have fitted from or fought against the reality that we are all in God's image 
And that makes us tremendously and terribly responsible and accountable for how we treat God's creation. Whether it be people in other cultures and countries, followers of other religions, or the very ground on which we walk. We must be willing to listen, not just to the words of the Spirit, but to each other. Our world is crying out for our care and concern. The Gospels are quite clear. We have no choice. It's time for us to come out from under our beds. It's time for us to step out of the doors and speak, no matter how strong the wind, how hot the fire, or how we try to resist them. In whatever language we need to use, the good news to the people who are waiting out there for us, they will not be like us. That's the point of Pentecost. So it is, yes, the birthday of the church. It's our birthday today, and like all birthdays, we can celebrate. We can thank God for the life we have been given, and maybe do some thinking about where we want that life to go. But today must also be a call to us to remember to us that the church is outside, outside these walls, outside ourselves. Here is a prayer from my favorite Native American writer, Bishop Stephen Charleston. May the flame of the Spirit burn brightly in the church today. May it dance and flicker and scorch and singe and get us to move. May it be just far enough out of our control to make us uneasy. May the Spirit speak through a thousand voices whose meaning is known to the stranger who sits in the far back corner for fear of being welcomed. May the house of God shine today and every day. What will we do to feel the wind and see the fire? What will we do to answer the Holy Spirit today? Yeah, happy birthday, dear church. Now, give us peace and send us out to do the work you have given us to do. Father, Father the Almighty, Almighty. maker of heaven and earth, of all that is.